As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. to a big thing episode of the Total Soccer Show. My name is Taylor Rockwell, and each week we dedicate the Friday show to discussing a major topic we have not yet been able to discuss in detail. This week, it's Lionel Messi time. He was worshipped in Argentina when he returned home to play in their most recent international window, but headed back to PSG, where he's been booed, whistled, and the subject of intense scrutiny and debate. Is he the problem at PSG, a problem at PSG, or an unfair scapegoat at PSG? Or maybe all the above. Who knows? Will he stay with the Super Club? Will he look for a return to Barcelona? Might MLS or Saudi Arabia be in his future? Is it annoying to me that I have to include those two leagues together in the same sentence? The answer to that last one is a definite yes. Joining me to talk about all things messy are Graham Ruthven. Hello, Graham. Hello. And Joe Lowry. Hello, Joe. Hello. Uh, we're getting right into it, but I appreciate your resounding hellos, gentlemen, but also serious hellos. They imply the se- se- severity of this topic. Good afternoon. Uh, <laughs> uh, Graham, <laughs> let's start with Messi's present situation at PSG, maybe less so from an on-field standpoint than from a contract standpoint. Yeah. What is the kind of status of his deal with PSG? So Messi is reaching the end of a two-year two-year contract he signed with PSG when he left Barcelona in the summer of 2021. And that contract includes the option of a third year, but that option has to be triggered by both parties. And as things stand, it hasn't been triggered. That contract, just for reference, is worth $41 million a season, which at the time of him joining PSG made him the highest paid player in soccer history. Since then, Mbappe has signed a larger contract with the same club, of course, and Ronaldo's also on more money in Saudi Arabia. But once you factor in image rights and a cut of uh, shirt sales, which apparently Messi is entitled to, he's taking home around $75 million a season. So that is important context of which clubs and leagues can afford to sign Lionel Messi and why it might not be feasible for Barcelona for obvious reasons. We'll go into more depth on that. But the reporting on Messi's future um, over the last few months has sort of swung back and forth. When we were all in New York for the World Cup, I remember a pretty solid story from the Times in, in England saying that Messi was going to sign for Inter Miami. 
Then a few weeks later, Guillaume Balaguer reported for the BBC that he was more likely to trigger that one-year extension with PSG and that talks had progressed quite far along. Then it went quiet, and now there's a lot of reporting around Barcelona's interest in him. And Barcelona aren't exactly hiding their desire to, or masking their desire to see Messi no. back in their in their shirt playing at camp now. So at this moment in time, it feels like the uncertainty around Messi's future has has never been greater. And personally, I'm not entirely sure which way it's going to swing. And this is a Messi at PSG who, as I said in the intro, has recently gotten some whistles from certain sections of the fan base when his name was announced, gotten some boos from others. And I think is seen as a at least a part of the problem at PSG who have kind of gone off the rails since the World Cup, obviously knocked out of the Champions League. And so I had sort of stopped paying attention to them after they were knocked out of the Champions League. I think I tend to do that until we get towards the end of the season when maybe there's a title race and then it's interesting. Oftentimes, PSG are well well out in front, and so it's kind of the standard there. In this case, they are not well out in front anymore. They are out of the Champions League. And Joe, it seems to me that a lot of the supporters are looking at Lionel Messi as, if not all of the problem, then certainly a big part of it. Which doesn't make sense to me. Like, none of this angle makes sense. You watch Messi play, and he still looks like the greatest player that's ever touched a soccer ball. Like, he's aging. Sure, that's fine. I think that's fair. And it's likely that his production is going to drop off a little bit as he gets into his his late 30s. But, I mean, this season, he's still been good. He's got 14 goals and 14 assists in Liga. 28 combined goals and assists is an elite tally. Then he's got 4-4, four and four, I believe, in the Champions League run, which was cut short through really not any major fault of his own. I don't understand the whistleblowing. I don't understand why fans think that Messi is the one to blame here. For me, if there's blame in this situation, I think there is. It's for the topic of a Big Thing episode that we had maybe a month ago, a little over a month ago. It's PSG and how they built this squad. Like, it, it never... It was always going to be yeah. fun and very FIFA-y, but realistically, it didn't make a lot of sense. So, you know, if they could have figured out a way to do what City are doing now with Erling Holland, where you have a super team and you add a giant robot to it and somehow it's incredible, that would have been great. But PSG have three robots. Right? They have Messi, Mbappe, and Neymar that all needed to be accommodated, and it's really difficult mm-hmm. to do that. I, I don't see how the blame in the situation, which is really centered around PSG's Champions League failure. Like, let, that that's where the frustration comes. They're going to win Liga. Things are going to be fine domestically, but that's not the bar for this team. It is the Champions League, and they've crashed out in the round of 16 in both of Messi's seasons at the club. But I think it is foolish and, like, lunacy to point towards Messi as being the problem here. I, I think the important context is everything that is happening around PSG as a club right now. There has been protests from PSG fans, and uh, not specifically against Messi, although they are booing him and he has become a bit of an unpopular figure with the support. But there are protests against the ownership of the club and the, the PSG fans are pushing back against the current direction of, of, of the club. And I guess they see Messi as an embodiment of that direction where... There hasn't been much focus on building an effective team unit on the pitch. It's been about signing the big, the biggest names that shift the most shirts, and Messi is the embodiment of that. There also hasn't been much of a focus on building a connection between the team on the pitch and Paris as a city, which I think is a big frustration for Parisians who see Paris as one of the, the great hotbeds of soccer talent in, in world football. And PSG is not a reflection of that in, in, in any way. So 
while I, I accept he is an unpopular figure, I think there's more things going on there. The reporting that I've seen regarding PSG's stance as a club on Messi is that they would quite like to keep him. They have been in discussions for some time, and while those talks have stalled, they'd still like him to stay for a third year. However, there's not the sort of intense desire from PSG to sign him up as there was when they were trying to sign him two years ago initially. There's a sense that they won't be totally gutted if he ends up leaving because the last two years has seen Mbappe transition into being the face of that club anyway and he signed a new contract last last summer. So the situation has sort of changed on all fronts for Messi who maybe isn't happy of being at this club but also for PSG who aren't really pinning their future as a, as a club, a team and a brand on Messi anymore. They're doing that on Kylian Mbappe. Yeah. Graham, putting the messy side of this conversation on hold for a moment, what do you expect from PSG in the summer in terms of manager, in terms of director? Are we going to see more of an overhaul? Because it tends to be they wait a little bit longer to get knocked out of the Champions League. Then there's that malaise. Then there's that slide. And then there's a new manager brought in or changes have to be made. I, at the beginning of the season, felt like they had made smart appointments, that they were doing better business, and that Gaultier was going to be a manager who, I think, if they backed or at least entrusted to figure things out, would make a difference. It now seems like that is not going to be the case. The, the, there's a bit of radio silence from PSG at the moment over what is happening. So immediately after the Champions League exit, it was Gaultier being called into the office to you know get a dressing down and apparently get handed his... Uh, a box to put all his stuff in to leave the the, the stadium as, as as soon as possible, but he's still in position. It feels like maybe they're doing a Mauricio Pochettino where something very similar happened. They got knocked out of the Champions League last season. Pochettino stayed in position till the end of the summer, but you knew he was kind of a dead man walking as soon as they went out of the Champions League. I, I still think that is what will happen. Um, L'Equipe two weeks ago had a story that Zinedine Zidane is still waiting for this job, which is an interesting one in, in itself because Zidane is a, a Marseille icon. They used to have Zidane's face on a building at the front of the of the Marseille port. port. It was an, an advert for Adidas, but nonetheless, it was it was a, kind of an icon of uh, an emblem of Marseille, and he is an emblem of Marseille. To, so to have him manager of a Parisian team, might be slightly controversial, but if I had to guess at this point, it seems like the reporting is leaning towards Zidane getting that job in the summer. So Zidane may come in. Do we think uh, Luis Campos, the director of football, will stick around, or are we going to see him moved on too? His his job description is really weird with PSG. So he is de facto sporting director, but actually his his official job title is he's a consultant Mm -hmm. of some kind who has an office at the Parc de Prince. It kind of sounds a bit like a Ralph Ranić sort of arrangement where it might be quite easy for PSG just to cut ties with him. So it really wouldn't surprise me uh, at this point. Nothing with PSG surprises me. So it seems like nothing will surprise us. Uh, but Joe, given the the fan reaction, and I should emphasize, it's not the whole stadium. It's not like everybody's booing and whistling at him. But it's a it was a sizable percentage of a what appeared to be half empty stadium, which I think also speaks volumes about PSG's connection to its fan base, connection to the city, and the season that hasn't been particularly successful. But from from what I have read, from what I've heard, it feels to me like. His teammates are okay with him staying. The ownership would like him to stay, I think, because of the jersey sale side of things. Maybe the front office less so, and the fans even less so. Would you say that's a fair sort of encapsulation of the situation? It seems fair. And and the weird thing about all of this is 
it, it feels strange to say that by losing Messi, you might make this team better. But I do think PSG are in the position where actually not bringing back Messi would probably be better for yeah. them going forward because it will give them more resources to operate within whatever the crusty skeleton of financial fair play actually is. Uh, it, it'll give them a little bit more room on that side. And tactically, you just can't, it's very difficult. And, and PSG have clearly not done a great job of balancing their attacking firepower with the rest of their squad. So for me, I, I don't think it would be the worst thing for Messi to go somewhere else for this PSG team. Now, I, I would be surprised if that's how fans are thinking about it. And they're thinking like, let's whistle at this player in particular because our squad balance needs yeah. to be better. Like that, that's, I would be shocked if that's how they're thinking about this. But I do think maybe there's a silver lining there in all this chaos that's happening right now with, with, with Messi. You know, maybe moving on is, is better for him. And he either gets to go back to Barcelona or just literally thinking about the numbers gets to go make an ungodly yeah. amount of money in Saudi Arabia or gets to go to Miami. And for some reason, everybody loves Miami. So like, you know, there's, there's different ways this can benefit everybody, but Taylor, I think your initial sort of assessment there is probably about right. Joe, do you not love Miami? There's a Salt Bay restaurant there. Have you not heard? <laughs> I mean Ew. that, see Graham, I think you might have me confused with Ryan. Ryan <laughs> is the Salt Bay guy. Um, Ryan and Taylor actually, Taylor loves Salt Bay. Taylor also loves chain sort of like fast cash dining place. Uh, places he's a big fan of all of those spots so miami yeah miami's good but it just seems like chilies every... over salt bay i would eat at chilies over salt bay that is a, uh, that is a factual statement i'm wow. not trying to pay is that is four thousand dollars for a steak i don't know i would also news. eat at chilies over salt bay but not because necessarily i think the food is going to be better at chilies it's just that i can afford yeah. the food at chilies <laughs> what, over I, salt what bay. i heard what i heard from taylor is saying i love Honey Chipotle chicken crispers, crispy chicken honey. That's what Taylor is that. Crispers. Is that true? Can you confirm? Crispers. Thank you, Graham. I'm going on a hunger strike <laughs> based on these two options. That, right. That's what I'm going to say. All right. Um, I, going back to PSG, uh, I, Joe, I, I think you're right. I do not think that Messi is the source of the there's a squad imbalance, so we're all going to boo him. I, I think a, a strange aspect of this is the lack of Neymar. I think if Neymar were there, of the three, in my mind, the player that like the club least wants to alienate, least wants to leave, the fan base least wants to see go is Kylian Mbappe, then it's Messi, then it's Neymar of that sort of high-profile three. But Neymar, the player that around that reporting of maybe Messi will stay, maybe he will go in, in December, was Neymar is definitely going to be on the move. They're definitely going to let him go. It's time for him to be moved on. And then he gets injured, and I don't think there are going to be as many suitors, certainly not as many suitors willing to pay what PSG would like. And I think if Neymar were playing, I do think he would be also, at the very least, also whistled and jeered, uh, and it wouldn't just be messy. But I think in his absence, you then look at the squad that does feel slightly imbalanced, that doesn't feel like it's really working, or that it's kind of clicking in the way that you would expect it to, and I think Messi ends up being looked upon as the player that isn't making it work. And I think that is wildly unfair because if we've talked about it in this episode we've talked about it previously when you have those three players in your team none of them are going to change their entire game plan and be defensive oriented transitional players they're going to want the ball up top they're going to want to attack and i think if you're now if you're a psg supporter or a psg decision maker who's frustrated with messi's lack of defensive movement or lack of effort and running like, which player have you been watching? That's the thing that yeah. we've talked about for years now, going back to Barcelona. And, and so I think it's sort of, you knew what you were getting in Lionel Messi in terms of the best player in the world who's not going to do that much defensively. And so to now be mad that you have one of the best players in the world who's not doing a defensive side of things seems a little bit silly to me. 
Yeah, it, it is silly. I, I think that's like sort of pulling the rug out from under your own expectations. Like it, yeah. it sort of is telling on yourself if this is like, oh, like this is the real problem is Messi's, Messi's not running. Well, no, PSG knew when they signed Messi that he was going to be a guy that's the hub of the attack and defensively you have to accommodate him. And so if you don't accommodate Messi, who again has done this stuff at the highest level possible for such a long time now, like the blame doesn't go on the player. The blame goes on the structure around the player. So that, that is true. One other thing, I, I guess just to clearly say this, because I think it's, it's important and it was helpful for me in thinking about Messi's time at PSG. His time at PSG has, has not been a success. Like it, it has been below expectations. But I think Messi has still been good in the midst of all that. He's still mm-hmm. been really good in the midst of all that. I mentioned some of the numbers from this season. Last year, he only had six goals in Liga, which wasn't good. He had 14 assists and, and some numbers in the Champions League. So, you know, the scoring was a little bit down in that season. But in general, the reason why it's been below expectations at PSG is because this team was built to win the Champions League or was built to try to win the Champions League. And the fact that they haven't been a part of that and they haven't been one of the last eight teams in either of the last two seasons while Messi's been there means that this this has not been a success. At the same time, like I, I think it is foolish to sort of point all the arrows back to this one individual player when the problems go so much deeper. Now, I don't know what that means for Messi's future. I do think it means that staying at PSG feels a little bit less likely than I would have thought when the initial contract of the option for the third year was agreed to, according to reports. Like I would have thought that maybe this all would have worked a bit better and PSG would have been a bit smarter, but it, it just doesn't seem like that's been the case. The, the other measure for Messi at PSG, so you're right, Joe, the, the, the big measure, the, the, the clearest yardstick has been the Champions League and whether he can take PSG closer to winning that and he hasn't done that whether or not that is his fault or not there's obviously more stuff going on there but I also feel like the chat when he signed was that this was a big deal for Ligue 1 as well as as a division and that Ligue 1 was going to grow as this global spectacle and there were going to be more lucrative broadcast deals around the world and we were all going to be watching Ligue 1 matches Speaking personally, I, I kind of feel like that hasn't happened either. I feel like, I, I don't feel like I'm watching more of PSG and Ligue 1 this season or this season or the, or the season before but, um, than before Messi signed. So I kind of wonder if it's a failure in that regard as well. I mean, am I alone in that? Do we feel like people are paying more attention to French no. football with Messi in it? I think I'm correct in saying that it's the like number one selling shirt globally. So they've certainly done well on that side. But in terms of viewership, for me personally, no, because if I'm watching them and they're that front three and they're electric and they're scoring goals, it's fun. But it's also like, well, yeah, that's going to happen against weaker teams in France when you've got that front three. And then oftentimes when they're not playing well, they're not that fun to watch. And so I think it's sort of it's the problem of PSG as an entity that they if they win. Well, yeah, you did what you were expected to do. And sort of, yeah, we know you're going to win every game four nil. And if they don't then it's, I guess, maybe slightly interesting to watch a train wreck and try to figure out what's gone wrong. But I don't think that's what they're looking for uh, with the the uh, the signing of Messi and with all the other players that they've brought in. So, no, I think you're right, Graham. I don't think it's really raised the profile of the league other than here's another huge player they brought in that doesn't seem to be working. And now with FFP and with some of the uh, the hits that PSG has taken, that squad is also, it's worth noting, not nearly as strong as it has been in years past. And like their 2-0 win over Nice was a good win, and it's Messi and Mbappe up top playing together. If Neymar were healthy, he would have been in there too. And injuries are a big part of that. Kimpembe, Mukiele, Verratti, Bernat all out with injuries. But with with those players out with injury, 
Uh, Fabian Ruiz comes in in the 10th minute uh, in this in that game against Nice uh, for Renato Sanchez, who was injured. Unless you follow PSG, I would say 90% of people who watch soccer would not know a single player on their bench because they do not have depth. They don't have the squad depth that they need or you would expect them to have. And again, financial fair play is a big part of that. And then the salaries and the wages and the transfer fees they've paid. So it's a PSG team that, again, I think would be okay with keeping Messi because I think it means shirt sales and sponsorships and image rights and all that good stuff. But it doesn't really allow them to build out the squad the way I think they would like to in the summer. And I think there will be big departures. So I, we can leave it uh, the the first segment here. I'm inclined to say he doesn't resign for PSG. They don't have that contract extension. And he he is sort of moving on in the summer. Uh, do either of you disagree with that? No, that Graham? feels like the the way the the momentum is building is that he will be leaving PSG in the in the summer, and I have to say I'm not going to shed a tear over that. I would like to see him at another club. Agreed. I agree with all of that. Yeah. There we go. All right. So we'll look at possible destinations here in just a second. Back soon. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Welcome back. We have decided that Lionel Messi will absolutely leave PSG. We're the decision makers. Uh, I'm sure they're listening. But if Messi does go, if and when he does go, Graham, what are the most likely destinations at this point? At this moment in time, it seems like there are four clear options for Messi in terms of where he is playing next season. So PSG, where he just stays put and he triggers that extra year in his contract. MLS, where Inter Miami have been trailing him from even before he signed for PSG. There was this idea in 2020, because um, keep in mind, Messi tried to leave Barcelona a year before he actually left, um, which may have been a political ploy against Bartomeu, but nonetheless, there was that story at the time. The idea then was that he would sign for City at that summer, and in that contract, there would be an option for him to leave for MLS, although more likely for NYCFC in that proposal. More recently, Inter Miami have have jumped to the fore and there seems to be some chat that there might be a mechanism to give uh, Messi either a chunk of a franchise or a franchise as a whole at some point in in the future because that worked out so well for MLS with David Beckham, of course. The third option is Saudi Arabia, where it was reported last week Messi had a concrete offer of... The number I saw was €400 million a year to play for Al-Halal, which would be the highest... The, the the most money ever handed to a football player for a contract ever. And the final option is Barcelona, which is the one that is gathering most momentum at the moment for obvious reasons. The the romance around that return would be off the charts and Barcelona are being very candid, very public in that pursuit of their greatest ever player coming back to the club this summer. All right, let's take those in sequence. Joe, I'm going to guess you have some thoughts on Lionel Messi moving to Inter-Miami. 
Yeah, so it's it's an interesting position right now for him. Don Garber has basically come out and said, you know, we're we're gonna get creative. We can get flexible. Like we can we can make this happen. And like this this sounds absurd. And before the show started, for listeners, just I want I want to be clear. I told Graham and Taylor that I was going to be bringing in an MLS roster mechanism and not even forcing it in, but bringing it up in a legitimate discussion about Messi's future. We, so yesterday, we'll, we'll be the deciders on that. Okay, fair enough. That's good. That's a good call, Graham. Yesterday, <laughs> Inter-Miami trade Bryce Duke and Ariel Lasseter. I don't expect folks to really know much about either of those players. They trade Bryce Duke and Ariel Lasseter to CF Montreal up in Canada. Montreal in return trade Kamal Miller. Canadian international center back was at the World Cup, started for them as a very good player, and $1.3 million in general allocation money. Now, GAM, general allocation money, is generally used to buy players' contracts down so they cost less against the salary cap. That's my understanding. I think that's the the basic entry-level definition of what GAM is often used for. Miami could then conceivably use that $1.3 million to create some roster flexibility. And Tom Bogert, who was uh, the guy who broke this trade, does a, a lot of that in the MLS world. He uh, had a follow-up tweet after breaking the initial news of this trade and said, you know, there's a chance that Miami can use this room to sign Lionel Messi and Sergio Busquets to, to create room in their roster to sign those players. There's the financial side that's still separate from that and the salaries and blah, blah, blah. But basically Miami are trying to set themselves up with roster flexibility to add these guys in. They have three DPs right now. They can buy one of them down off of DP status to create another spot. And honestly, who knows? Like, if they couldn't do that even, do we really think that the MLS isn't going to make this work somehow? Yeah, MLS, of course, is, of course there is are, no right? way that Inter-Miami give that call to Don Garber and go, right, right. we can sign Lil Messi, what's to come, we've got the money, but we don't have the designated player spots, and Don right. Garber goes, well, tough cheese. Like, <laughs> that, just doesn't happen. That would be the single worst decision MLS has ever made, in, and they have made some bad decisions over the it years. It would be so. worth it just for Don Garber to tell them tough cheese. That would be a, a perfect <laughs> response. Uh, short of that, yeah, I don't I don't think it's going to happen, nor do I. What would I want it to happen? That was Wallace and Gromit, Don Garber, right there. I don't know what, <laughs> what happened on that side. Um, so Miami basically, long story short, are creating roster flexibility to be able to do this stuff. Like, they want, they want in on this action, and... It seems like there's some, been some reporting pretty consistently from Mike Ryan Ruiz, who's well-connected down in Miami, and from, from Tom and others that are saying, like, it's on the table, right? Miami are, are a player in this discussion. They might not be first at this point with Saudi Arabia sort of gaining some steam and, and maybe that becoming an increasingly likely outcome. Maybe not still in Saudi Arabia the most likely outcome, but increasingly likely. There are real players here. There are, like, four at five if you want to toss in Argentina as a potential return on the club level. Like, there are still a number of options here, but Miami's number in this sweepstakes is not zero, guys. Joe, I have I have a question for you, and then I have a thought. Uh, the The question is, was that as bad of a trade as it seemed to be? Yes. I don't quite Seems understand what way. Montreal were doing or why they would give that much money up. <laughs> I will say this as quickly as possible because I expect the number of people that clicked on this episode wanting to hear about this trade is probably care. zero. I'm fascinated. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the, the reporting is, and, and sort of from what I understand, Kamal Miller wasn't super happy in Montreal, and he's the best player in this trade. So for Montreal to give up him and $1.3 million in allocation money for a bad attacker in Ariel Lasseter and a young, unproven player in Bryce Duke, who I think is good, but doesn't really have a position, is super weird. And I think the only way it makes sense is if Kamal Miller was basically like, yeah, I, I, I really do not want to be here anymore. Let me out and, you know, I guess trade a bunch of money in the process. Uh, so that still makes me confused. I'm not going to go full conspiracy here. But what I will say, this was my observation, is that 
it is the it is the same Inter Miami who very recently got into trouble for paying players more than what they were reporting, and they had sanctions against them. And I hear you both. Uh, Bob Williams was the other one on Twitter to say, like, "Are you kidding me? Of course MLS will find a way to make this happen. They don't need to go through roster me- uh, like mechanisms and whatnot." But if you're a team that's been caught sort of cheating previously, uh, I I could see the league at least pushing them to, you've got to do some things publicly to make it clear that you have the money. We can't have another cheating scandal on top of this with you all. So I I could see them having to go through some of just the like the basic patterns to make it seem like okay they do have money they are doing things that you need to be able to do to make this happen uh and then what Busquets would come in as a TAM player Messi would take that final DP spot if they bought down one of their DPs is that the idea Joe yeah I think that's that's the general idea right so Messi would be you know one of the one of the three big guys on that roster and they'd have a little bit flexibility underneath that tier it's it's going to be fascinating like this is this is going to be if it happens it will be the single biggest player move that has ever happened in Major League Soccer. Bigger than Beckham, bigger than Zlatan. Yeah. Like Messi is a completely different animal. From what I've read, and I haven't poked around on the Inter-Miami website, you know, Miami are kind of keeping their tickets for the summer games that they have at home close to the chest, right? At least there was a, a period, and maybe this is still true now, where they they weren't for sale. Like they, they hadn't offered those tickets yet because they're preparing for the what-if case. And they should be, right? With the roster, they should be. With every other aspect of the club, they should be preparing for, you know, the... I don't know. We can't really put a number on it, but let's say if there's four or five possible outcomes between 20 and 25% chance that he comes to Miami, like you better set yourself up for that chance. And it, it seems like Miami are in some ways, at least trying to do that. Are, are they playing in Fort Lauderdale if Messi signs for them? It's, because it that seems stadium that way. in the car park with no vowels in the title doesn't seem very... And also Phil Neville. Are we ready for Phil Neville to be Lionel Messi's coach? Everything about this situation, if it happens, is going to be bizarre, right? For Lionel Messi to be on this team, it, it will not make sense. Like, we joke about the US Open Cup side of things, and, and you know Messi's not the GOAT until he's played on a Tuesday night on uh, Bleacher Report live stream, right? But, like, who, who knows? There's so many weird aspects of all of this if he comes to MLS, MLS by and large is not at the level. Certainly Miami is not at the level where it makes sense to any logical brain, right? From a sporting side, they're they're not there. They're not in the same realm as Barcelona or PSG. There's miles between them. And in Miami, other MLS clubs have better stadiums and, and situations like that. But Miami, it's a, a stadium with a very temporary vibe. And it's not what they want to be playing right now. So it, it's going to feel very weird and almost like psychedelic to have Messi yeah. playing in bright pink in a temporary stadium in Miami with Phil Neville as a manager. Like none of it is going to make sense, but I mean, it would be, it would be a game changer for MLS. I think also Fort Lauderdale uh, currently flooding as we record this yeah. one. So I'm hoping that stadium is still there and hasn't floated away, but if it has stayed, then maybe Messi will end up there. Maybe Graham, he will end up in Saudi Arabia. Uh, I have thoughts on that one. Uh, is there any reason for him to make that move to Saudi Arabia that isn't just money? No. I mean, okay. he, I guess he has an existing relationship mm-hmm. with Saudi Arabia and that he is an ambassador for them and for their World Cup bid. But besides that relationship and beside the giant wad of cash that he'd be handed to go to Saudi Arabia, no. And and I, I would be, obviously there's the whole sports washing side of things here and we could we could talk about that for ages, but just from a pure sporting point of view, I I would be sad to see him go to Saudi Arabia because with Ronaldo, mm-hmm. it kind of felt like he was ready 
to take us. Oh well, he wasn't ready, as he made very, uh, very clear publicly. But I mean, in terms of his level, that was appropriate for him to take a step down at that point in, in his career. With Messi, while yes, he's aging, and yes, he's not the force that he was a few years ago, and his productivity is starting to tail off. He's still more than good enough for the elite level of European soccer, and so I would, I would be sad to see him go to Saudi Arabia. Um, at the risk of upsetting, upsetting Joe. I would kind of be look. I'm I'm an MLS fan. I I it would be great to see him in MLS. What you're about to say, Graham, is fair. What you're about to say is completely fair. I would also, on a level, be sad to see him go to MLS at this stage of his career. Um, I I feel like you could maybe do a couple years at Barcelona and then go to Inter Miami when he's like 37. Um, but right now, yes, Saudi Arabia for me. If I'm ranking, Saudi Arabia is even below. PSG because at least with PSG I will see him in the Champions League I'll see him in big games in Ligue 1 but if he goes to Saudi Arabia I mean how much have have all of us watched Mm -hmm. Ronaldo since he's gone there I haven't seen any of them besides Twitter clips and And that would be what it would be for Messi as well and it's been lovely. Um, I think for Ronaldo also, like he has the Sporting KC offer. Joe, maybe Messi ends up in Sporting KC as a result. Uh, But short of that, there aren't those sort of uh, offers from his former clubs, and he is very publicly shopped around. Nobody really takes the bait. So he goes to Saudi Arabia and saves face with the massive amount of money he's making. But Messi clearly does have options. He could stay at PSG. He could go to Miami. He could go back to Barcelona. I'm sure other big clubs would be interested. Uh, so I think for him to move to Saudi Arabia with other options on the table, it means he's taken the money. And that's a lot of money for him to take. But as you pointed out, Graham, he's also already made a lot of money and will continue to do so with sponsorships even after he's retired, uh, one would assume at least. So I, I think I, I share your sort of feeling that if he were to take that that deal to go to Saudi Arabia, uh, it would make me more upset than if he moved to Miami. But I think it's it's a similar thing, that you're going to a league where you're going to be the most high-profile pro- player by far. You're going to be the most talented player by some distance. Um but I think with Saudi Arabia, there's the added baggage of sports washing and everything else that we've covered in other episodes. So it could happen. It might happen. He is going to be an ambassador for them, as has been pointed out. So maybe that's where he ends up. But that also feels to me less likely than him going back to Barcelona. Let's talk one more break and then talk about what went wrong last time he was at Barcelona and how things might change this time. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Hey folks, this is Taylor from the Total Soccer Show reminding you that we are inching ever closer to the start of the summer transfer window, which means there are teams that will buy and sell their players early, there are teams that will leave that business very late, and there are teams that will operate in between. But no matter what, it's going to be a chaotic situation, there's going to be offers coming through willingly, there's going to be transactions to be tracked and processed and make sure that enough money is there, there's going to be probably angry clubs calling to complain, there are many things to deal with, and unfortunately for those clubs, there is no sort of business tool that makes things easier, makes transactions simpler, gets the business done efficiently and effectively, but for the small businesses around the globe, there is such a service, Shopify. 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek kits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And I really appreciate that about Shopify. No matter how big you are, no matter how fast you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States, and Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. That's as many countries as will be selling players in the transfer window this summer. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash TSS, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash TSS now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash TSS. Welcome back, Graham. Let's talk Messi returning to Barcelona. And mostly I want to spend time talking about how I predicted that this is exactly how this would play out when he first went to PSG. I think we should all just acknowledge that up front. Uh, thank you both for doing that it, in it your silence. I'll need receipts. Yeah. <laughs> I'll find the episode. Uh, but to my mind, uh, this is the move that makes the most sense. Barcelona publicly courting him. A move back would sort of ra- like not raise his profile, but they're going to sell a ton of shirts. It's a story that writes itself. Everybody will want to cover it and how it was. They're back together and all is all is right with the world. But for that to happen, Graham, let's first talk about how things went wrong at Barcelona for Messi. Why did he leave there or why did he have to leave there in the first place? Yeah, so it's worth recapping this whole story because it is two years since this all happened and it still feels a little bit surreal to me that it did pan out this way. So Barcelona were in 1.35 billion euros of debt following a number of years of overspending in the transfer market. They also were hit pretty hard by the financial ramifications of the, the COVID pandemic. And they simply couldn't afford to give Messi a new contract. He was out of contract that summer. So that was the summer of 2021. And they had to let him go to PSG on a free transfer. So six months before that, Messi takes a 50% pay cut to help ease the financial problems that, that Barcelona had at that time. But as the season ended, it became clear that, that Barcelona couldn't afford to keep him and hand him a new contract. And they were so far over their La Liga salary cap that they couldn't even keep him with Messi playing for for free. I remember that whole discussion of Twitter of, well, if he loves Barcelona so much, and he clearly does, he was he was in floods of tears at that press conference, yeah. that surreal press, con- press conference when he was saying goodbye. If he loves Barcelona so much, why does he not just play for free? He doesn't need the money. Well, the fact is that Barcelona couldn't re-register him. He was he was technically out of contract at that time, and so, so La Liga wouldn't allow Barcelona to re- re-register him on a new contract. Barcelona couldn't register any new players. So he had no choice but to leave. And I will always remember that press conference where, as I say, he's crying his eyes out. And, and it was all kind of quite 
unpleasant at, at, at that moment. There is momentum now building that Barcelona could re-sign him two years later. So the Athletic reports that Barcelona have yet to make an official offer to Messi, but they have been in discussions with him and his camp for a number of months. So Laporta, who is the Barcelona president, and Messi's father, they met at a hotel in Barcelona in February. Um, and Barcelona apparently believe that Messi's first choice, if it's possible, would be to go back to the club where he made a name for himself and he became a legend. And Xavi has spoken publicly about his desire to see Messi back at Barcelona. A quote from him was, <laughs> yeah. Leo knows that this is his home. Another club director confirmed talks with Messi Graham, a, a number of weeks ago. Can Andrew I jump Taylor? in really quickly just to say that Xavi, or there have been a number of different quotes, but the Xavi quote in particular, the one that I saw, was it was just the most like, you know, Messi must make his own decision, but we love him and this will forever be his home. But he is his own player and he is a wise man. And of course, I would love to manage him and it would be a dream to work with him. And please come back, little Messi. We want you here so bad. Please, please, please come back. But he must do his own thing. Like it was he was trying really hard to like not just overtly beg Messi to come back, but did still sort of beg Messi <laughs> to come back at the same time. Please. Please. Yeah, and and there is actually a uh, there is a sense of desperation in in a lot of Barcelona's public courting of Messi. Yeah. It says to me that they can't compete financially with Saudi Arabia or PSG or maybe even MLS, given their their continued perilous financial situation. So they are playing the emotional card. They're playing the romance card. They're 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 building up this idea of what a homecoming for Lionel Messi is going to be like. And as I say, Xavi's talked about it publicly. Another club director confirmed yeah. talks with Messi a number of weeks ago. On top of this, Barcelona fans are chanting Messi's name during matches. They did it during the Clasico at the camp now, mm-hmm. earlier this month. So the the direction of momentum is heading in one direction at, at the moment towards Barcelona. I think it remains to be seen whether there is much beneath that momentum, whether an official offer is actually put on the table because Barcelona still have financial issues. They need to slash, I believe, 50 million euros from their um, from their salary bill before the start of next season. So maybe there's going to have to be some manoeuvring from Barcelona where Frankie de Jong is literally driven to Manchester and told that he can't come back and Barcelona, Manchester United give Barcelona, what, 60 million euros or whatever it would be for Frankie de Jong and that helps free up the space to sign Messi. But right now it feels like Barcelona are doing everything that they can to kind of pull on the heartstrings of Messi to get him back to the club. A thing that I remain confused by is how they could make this happen. I've seen them... Uh, or I've heard reports that they say they would be able, they should be able to offer him a deal around what Robert Lewandowski uh, is presently making. I've also seen some speculation that Messi could sign for free. Uh, and I think there were, there were some limitations from La Liga about also why he couldn't like play for free previously. Cause there was then argument, arguments that like, why not just play for free from the jump when you're still at Barcelona? And that eases the financial, uh, constraints a little bit. But I think La Liga would have, I think he could only play for like, get paid half of what his contract said legally before they were in breach of that uh, law. So this time he could come back and play for free if they kind of clear some money off the books. Then they could register him, which is a key thing. But they also have players right now that they have not yet been able to register. I think three players, including Ronald Araujo, they have new deals in place, <laughs> but he cannot sign it because then he has to be re-registered and he can't be re-registered right now because of that financial breach. It's a very confusing thing. I think you're right, Graham. We're going to see Frankie de Jong abducted and just show up in Manchester. That's the way this makes sense. It's uh, All this is so funny to me. And it was funny two years ago when all this happened. It was also a bit sad, right? Because 
Lionel Messi is a Barcelona legend, and, and Barcelona are right to play the history card because he has done incredible things for that club and with that club, and and so I think a lot of it makes sense. It's it's just hilarious that when you're thinking about the future, you know, you're like, oh, Messi's got you know three years left on his Barcelona contract. We should probably, you know, think ahead a few years and, and sort of, I guess, work backwards from the greatest player that's ever touched a soccer ball and, like, kind of build the squad around him. And then all of a sudden, you know, Frankie de Jong is in the team. And all of a sudden, like, Sergio Roberto has a new contract. And you're thinking, oh, wasn't there something we forgot to do? Like, what, what was that thing? Like, I just, I can't remember. It just, it, it boggles my mind that, that Barcelona didn't start with Messi's deal and work backwards from there. So that's that's one half of this. The other half of this is, as much as I would love to see him in Major League Soccer, because selfishly, that would make my life a whole lot more interesting on a daily basis. So I would love to see Messi in Miami. But really, in, in terms of, like, the most interesting soccer place for him to go, the answer is Barcelona. Like, we, we've seen this PSG thing. I think, yeah, I feel like it's run its course a bit, and I, yeah. I'm kind of ready for PSG to move on and for Messi to move on. I think it actually could end up being best for everybody. I, I don't think there's any argument you can make for the soccer side of going to Saudi Arabia. And it's difficult to make one in MLS as well, to be totally honest. So really, as far as the, the soccer move and the intrigue on the field, yeah, the answer is absolutely Barcelona. To see him play for Xavi in a, in a very possession-oriented system where he can pick up the ball in, in the half spaces and be a part of a, a really an already dynamic attack to see Messi and Robert Lewandowski play together would be incredible. Like, that would be right up there, and I know this is a little silly to say, but like that would be a Vinicius-Benzema level combo. They are the standard right now in soccer, and it feels like Messi and Lewandowski should automatically be above that, but let's see it happen first. Like There would be so much intrigue and quality on the field for this Barcelona team, and uh, I like the idea of them spending every penny they have on Messi and uh, not doing anything about the defense. So, so Joe, just to pick up on that point of how he would actually fit into this yeah. team, because that's what you've transitioned us into there. You You feel like Messi would be on one of the wide one of the wide positions of the front three is that where you think he goes into this team because if he goes into central midfield then you're knocking out one of Gavi or Pedri from that midfield unit I I, I kind of struggle to place him in Xavi's side because it doesn't feel like a perfect fit with the player that Messi is now that he's 35 sure I, I don't think you can play him in in big games for extended stretches as a midfielder I think I think you have to play him in the half spaces a little bit higher up he's still going to drop and, and dictate possession but you ideally want to get a more either either a, a game reader or somebody with a little bit more mobility at the number six spot in and maybe that's in a double pivot or maybe that's as a, a single pivot there and then Gavi and Pedri a little bit higher up from that player. And then you want Messi and that's in a slightly wider but still you know narrow space. You don't want his boots on the chalk. And then you're going to see the fullbacks. I would imagine one of them stay a little bit deeper. The other one go up a little bit higher. And I think it can work, right? We see, we see the best teams in the world. We spent a lot of time this week talking about Manchester City, and rightly so. Like, they have good players on the bench. You know, Pep has to manage egos more than, than anything else. Like, management is so much about dealing with these personalities and keeping people happy and appeased. And Xavi's job, in that sense, is going to be harder if Messi goes to Barcelona than it is right now. But, you know, in order to compete in the Champions League and at the top of La Liga, they need depth. They need these pieces. And so Messi can be a fixture for this team. He can be a focal point, And they can, I think, work the other pieces in the squad around him. I also think, uh, given some of the financial constraints, 
he is the type of player we see this in the NBA, where if you get a couple big name players together, other players will take like the league minimum to go play with them because they want to play with those guys. But also there's a chance you're going to win a title. And I think the idea of taking a huge pay cut, if you're somebody who's already made a ton of money to go play for Barcelona with Lionel Messi and Xavi as the manager and Robert Lewandowski up top, and maybe we win a Champions League and I get to lift the Champions League with Messi. Like, why would I not do that? So I think there is that appeal. I still have some concerns I mean, not that it matters because it's not my money, but about Barcelona's financial picture. From what I have read, they can't continue to do the lever thing they've done. La Liga has closed those loopholes, so they have to get compliant by shedding those $50 million. And And that is no small feat, especially if players don't want to leave or take pay cuts. And so I think there's probably a ton of work being done. And and I would love for Messi's camp to then meet with them and say, like, how do you envision me fitting in and Barcelona not having an answer other than don't worry about it. That's a problem for Xavi in the summer. We'll we'll make it work. And I think that's probably genuinely the sentiment, because though I do think that there are cynical reasons for why Barcelona would want Messi back, you can sell so, so many things about Messi returning. And so many people will pay him to see him playing at Barcelona one last time or one last season or for three more seasons. And you can do preseason tours and charge whatever you want. But there is also, I think, a just a genuine sentiment that he belongs at Barcelona, yeah. that this is not the way this was supposed to end. This is not what they wanted. They wanted him at Barcelona for the entirety of his career. And so every quote that I read, including those Xavi comments, I, I think... There is that level of, you know, we want him for the reasons we want him that aren't necessarily on the pitch. But at the same time, there is an emotional connection there that I think is genuine. And there's a belief at Barcelona that he belongs back here. We want to be able to forget about those couple seasons at PSG. And that's what I think those will end up being very yeah. forgettable. Uh, and he, they want him back to kind of finish that story such as it is so my money would be on him going to Barcelona I would love for him to go to MLS because I think that would be very fun uh, but I think Barcelona is where I would be putting my money on and they could use it maybe they'll bet on themselves to land Lionel Messi and then when they do they can win a bunch of money and use that to pay off some debt yeah I mean I have been you've made it very cynical there Taylor I was going to make a point almost to the opposite of that please, that please do please. I, I have be, we've we've all been very cynical and critical of Barcelona these recent years for justified reasons but I do kind of believe the reason they want Messi back is that genuine emotional connection mm-hmm. and I'm not a Barcelona fan but hearing that Messi chant during the classical did something to mm-hmm. me where I went, oh, wow, like that, I've not heard that in two seasons. That's kind of special. See, Graham, and this so is I, why I, I love would you. love to see him back. Because the, the cynic in me heard that and was like, somebody put them up to that. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> somebody met with a cap and was like, look, he's getting whistled and booed, or maybe that had happened before. But This is our uh, time. <laughs> yeah, I, I did wonder if that was maybe Barcelona, like, ah, uh, see what our fans do for you? Uh, but I like so your the take thing better. Is, the thing is that actually Barcelona have previously paid fans to start chance, and now you've put this in my mind. You've sullied that whole moment for me, Taylor oh, Rockwell. That, that nice, that nice moment I thought we had All has right. now been ruined. Well, and don't don't let that happen, Graham. You you take the romantic version of he'll go back because that's where he's meant to be, and Barcelona will bring him back because he's meant to be there. I will take the more cynical one of that combined with money and uh, finances and the like. Joe, how say you? I'll I'll just be camped out in the Miami airport. That's that's okay. my uh, that's my approach. That's the side Hopefully of the fence that I'm choosing to sit on. <laughs> yeah, not underwater. this week. Next week, I I move my flight, Graham. Just one week later. Uh, and then we're all okay with him going to Manchester United as well, right? 
Yeah. Sure. Why yeah. not? I guess. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, any other areas we have not yet covered when talking about Messi and his inevitable eventual return to Barcelona? It, we we covered this, and I think Graham, you said it well earlier in the show. But just to emphasize, like it, it doesn't really feel like anybody knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like right, you you get reporting from Fabrizio Romano, you get reporting from ESPN, you get reporting from here in the U.S., from England. I mean, from all around the world right now. But it, it feels difficult to read much into any of those reports. Not that I'm, I'm trying to say that what these people are being told doesn't have some degree of, of fact to I think it. That's but deliberate. Yeah, mm-hmm. but like, I, I, I think don't Messi's think Messi's playing the table. Or Messi knows what he wants. Absolutely, absolutely right, Graham. Like, Messi in his representation, his dad, it, it, this, is, this is smart business. Like, try to figure out what the next step is. Don't immediately rush into it. If Messi doesn't know right now you know, exactly what he wants, take some time and figure it out. And so it feels like there's going to continue to be a bunch of information but really, at least from where I sit right now, there's there's just no clarity on what's next for him other than it feels like there's some trends happening where PSG's likelihood is going down a bit. Saudi Arabia's is probably going up. Miami's is maybe staying about the same as like, a, hey, we're here ready for you if you want. And Barcelona are really trying to pull at the heartstrings. Like they're all still on the table and we're just going to have to wait and see what what's actually served. Agreed. Although I do think, and I'm, and I think this is what Graham was saying. Uh, Graham, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. I, I feel like that's Messi's camp leaking stuff to to people to then yeah. be like, Miami, what's your best offer you can come up with? Saudi Arabia, what's your best offer you can come? He's interested in Saudi Arabia. You never know. And then I think they're seeing what what can be generated from that. But, so that then when he does make that decision, he has the best possible offer and the clearest possible picture for every single potential uh, suitor. The problem with Saudi Arabia from a negotiation point of view is you go to Saudi Arabia and you go, what's your best offer? And they go, one trillion dollars. <laughs> and then you go, ah, right. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back to Barcelona now and ask them to improve on that. And that's not going to happen. We'll give you Yemen. Your thoughts. <laughs> uh, they might actually try to do that, Saudi Arabia. All right. So, gentlemen, I really appreciate you uh, working through this with me. Lionel Messi, ball's in your court. We'll see what happens. Sporting KC is also still an option. Joe Lowry, thank you for explaining MLS roster mechanisms and a whole bunch of Lionel Messi to me today. Oh, you got it, Taylor. Uh, Graham Ruthven, the same to you, but more Scottish. <laughs> thank you, Taylor Rockwell. And listeners, thank you for joining us all week. Uh, it has been very fun. I've enjoyed getting to talk uh, to the two of you and host some episodes, but I look forward to Ryan Bailey rejoining us next week as we do some Yay. weekend review. But for now, thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next week. Bye.